Well, the best is yet to come. Do you believe that? The best is yet to come. The upward look can be positive or it can be negative. Uh, It depends on what you see uh, when you look uh, towards, you know, the upward direction, the upward look. You know, if you're Sisyphus, uh, the upward look is not good. Do Do you remember who Sisyphus was from Greek mythology? He was that man who, because of his crimes against the Greek gods, he was sentenced to be forever rolling the stone up the hill. And he had that big stone, he had to roll up the hill, and every time he got it almost to the top, it would roll back down. And that was his eternal punishment, forever rolling the stone up the hill, never to be done, never to accomplish anything. And if that's what the upward look feels like to you, then that's discouraging and disheartening. The upward look is not good. But if you are on your way home... And you know that home is just one hilltop away. Well, that's, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. If you know you are almost to the end of a long journey and you are, are looking up the hill and you know you have a little ways yet to go, but you are nearing the end and just over the next hill will be the lights of home. Well, that's encouraging. You know, the best is yet to come. The Apostle Paul gives us these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. The best is yet to come. Now, we live in a world that has to it a dimension of decay, a dimension of decay. How many of you would know what I mean by the second law of thermodynamics or or what we sometimes call entropy? The law of entropy or the second law of thermodynamics says that all energy, in all energy exchange, if no energy enters or leaves the system, the potential energy will be less than that of the initial state. In other words, to make that a little plainer than mud, left to itself, everything in the universe moves toward disorder and decay. Contrary to what the evolutionist would tell us, rather than getting better and better and uh, increasing in, uh, and improving, everything in the universe is moving from a state of order to disorder and decay. Metal rusts, food rots, and the body deteriorates and grows old and saggy and baggy and, well, you, you get the idea. Most of you probably know how that works. In other words, nothing new stays new. Nothing new stays new. You know, there's something 
just extra special about something new. I've never had a brand new car, uh, but that's because I've always been taught and I've always believed that a brand new car is not the best uh, expenditure of your finances because the minute you drive that new car off the lot, you lose a thousand or so dollars in value. The depreciation is that quick. The minute you drive off the lot and you can no longer say it's a new car anymore. Now, I'm not, if you, if you, some people I know have bought new cars fairly regularly. And if you're one of those, I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. If God has blessed you and allowed you to do that, that's fine. But I've been in cars that were new to me uh, when we've upgraded or had the opportunity and uh, you know you have that clean smell the new car smell and it's nice and shiny and the if it's if you if it came off of a lot even a used car lot typically they will put a little extra work into it to try to make it nice and shiny and and uh, uh clean it up really nice and it just it's such a nice thing to have something new even something that feels new. But that doesn't last, does it? Even after you've driven it around for just a couple of days and it gets dirty and you look out the window or in the garage or wherever it's sitting and you see it dirty sitting there and you think, "Ma, that doesn't look quite as nice as it did a few days ago. Something nice about things that are new. New Shoes. I don't know why, as a kid, I, there was something special about new shoes, and uh, I enjoyed new shoes. You know, we think about our, our bodies and our physical condition. I suppose none of us are more aware of entropy or that second law of thermodynamics that everything in the universe is moving from a state of order to disorder. There's nothing that makes us more aware of that than our own physical bodies. I heard about a fellow that wore a little pin, a little button on his lapel that said, eat right exercise daily and die anyway. And that's about the case, isn't it? We are uh, observing a little bit of that going on in our house right now. Um, I'll, just, I'll just leave it at that. There's some interest in, in physical fitness and, and trying to build strength and and uh, that's, a, that's an okay thing. You know, the Bible does tell us there is a little bit of profit, a little bit of advantage in bodily exercise, but just a little bit. And uh, I went through that same stage as a young person wanting to, wanting to be strong and wanting to build up my body. And, and nowadays I continue... Um, to try on a more or less regular basis to eat a little bit healthy and, and to get some exercise on occasion. And now it's more uh, of an issue of survival than it is, than it is trying, to, trying to look good or be strong. We try to eat certain foods 
And um, I, uh, I remember, the, do you remember the tofu craze? There was a while when tofu was all of the, was all the rage. And that was the health, that was the thing that health conscious people ate, tofu. And I've talked to people, heard people that liked it, enjoyed it. But, but one fellow said it's like lard flavored jello. And I did, that didn't appeal to me at all. So I didn't. I didn't think that's, <laughs> and he said, what difference does it make if you're eating healthy foods, foods that's supposed to give you a healthier body, if you choke to death on what's making you better? I guess that's so people can walk by your casket and say, boy, they sure look good. But we live in a world that has to it a dimension of decay. And this comes, we read about it in Genesis chapter 3, the, through the result of sin, the curse that came upon humanity and upon our world because of sin. To the woman, Eve, God said, I will multiply your pain and childbearing. Verse 17 of Genesis chapter 3, to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now we ought to be reminded and, and uh, remember that work in and of itself is not part of the curse. You know, God gave man work to do before sin ever came into the world. So a lot of people think work is a result of the curse. That's not true. Work is not the result of the curse. Hard work is the result of the, of the curse. That is the, the continual fighting against entropy. This idea that everything goes from a state of order to disorder, and whatever we do, whatever we try to accomplish, all of our lives, it will be an uphill battle. That's what the curse of sin brought to us. In the New Testament version of this idea, we find in Paul's writings in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. This dimension of decay that is part of our world. It's something that we all live with. We just learn to live with it. In fact, it's something that is so common and ordinary to us that we don't, most of us probably don't even think about it anymore. We just get up day after day and go about our responsibilities and do what we have to do. A dimension of decay. But notice also there is a realm of renewal. A realm of renewal. You see, the original intention for reality 
uh, in the world that we live in is not what it is to us today. Um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, I mentioned that God gave man work to do before sin ever came into this world, and this is where that uh, responsibility is given. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God blessed them, and God said, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, I, I believe that the original condition of creation was that it was flawless but incomplete. Um, now, this is m- my opinion. I have good reason for it, and you may disagree with me, and that's fine. Uh, but my opinion is the original state of creation as God made the, the world and created, put Adam and Eve in the garden, was, it was flawless but incomplete. In other words, full of potential, like a newborn baby. You know, n- new moms and new dads like to look at their newborn babies and talk about how perfect they are. Oh, isn't he perfect? Isn't she perfect? And by that, they mean that all of the, all of the fingers and toes are, are there and all of the, the, the physical attributes of the body are there, perfectly formed and perfectly complete. Everything is just the way it ought to be. Yet, we all know that that baby is not complete. In other words, it's, it's fully there in its infant form, but yet full of potential. And that baby can be fed and nurtured and will grow and, and will mature and will grow into an adult body and become everything that a human being is supposed to be, everything that it is intended to be. I believe this is what the original state of creation was like. I, I also happen to believe and I, this is even more difficult to prove, but I also happen to believe that in its original state, there was no separation between the physical and the spiritual worlds. That the physical and spiritual realms overlapped one another, and because of this, this, is, this comes, comes into this idea of um, being full of potential. Mankind was in perfect relationship with God, in perfect harmony with Him, and, and because of that and because of the way God created the world in its original condition, they were able to engage in partnership and cooperation with God and to fulfill the responsibility that God gave them, to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing. In other words, God gave them a world full of potential that they could engage in work and effort to to make of it what God intended it to be. But now we have a condition uh, of the world that we live in, we described to you to, in the beginning, uh, where it's full of decay. And that would be the physical part of the world that we live in. However, there is this realm that still exists where renewal is possible. 
where it is not necessary to be in a state of continual decline and decay and moving from order to disorder, but we can be climbing higher and higher and be continually making gains. And that would be the spiritual realm. While the physical realm is in a constant state of decay and decline, because of sin, the the physical and the spiritual realm have been somewhat wrenched apart. And what is much more obvious to us is this physical world that we live in. And if we allow it to, it can fully captivate our attention and hinder us from living out spiritually the lives that God would have us to. However, we know that in Christ it is possible we can live in the spirit and not be in the flesh and be in a state of constant renewal. We see this in the scriptures from beginning to end, beginning with the Old Testament. Now, you know, the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes didn't seem to agree with this. He said that there's nothing new under the sun. And if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, that that author had a pretty dim view of reality. However, many of the other writers of the Old Testament were more positive in their outlook about the possibility of things being made new. The psalmist in Psalm 40 verse 3 says that God had given him a new song, a song of praise to our God. Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 42 verse 9 talks about having new lessons to learn. Let me turn there just a moment and read some of these verses to you. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 9 says this, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. I believe God has new things for me to learn and new ground for me to gain in the coming year. God has new things for you, new lessons for you in the coming year. God said he would give to his people a new name in Isaiah chapter 62 verse 2. Book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 31, God talks about making a new covenant with his people. And also the same writer, Jeremiah, in the book of Lamentations, says that God's mercies are new every morning. And the prophet Ezekiel, through the prophet Ezekiel, God promises to give his people a new spirit and a new heart. This theme continues into the New Testament when we see in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 20, we read this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. There is a new and living way. There is also a new birth. You remember Jesus spoke of the new birth to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And then Peter talks about the new birth in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. There is a new birth. 
Because of that new birth, we can all be new creations, the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. We go from being a new creation to having a new self. A new self. In... Uh, holiness circles, I believe sometimes we mistakenly think of the idea of the death of self. We need to make sure we don't fall into that. It is not the death of self, but it is death to the self. Death to the self. And God gives us the ability to live as a new self. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Skip now to verse 20. That is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. Verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. There is a new self. As Paul again said in 2 Corinthians, though our outer person is perishing, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And as we think about this idea, the best is yet to come. I'm reminded of a passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter 21, where God says, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, you remember what I said a few moments ago about the separation of the physical realm and the spiritual realm? I believe what we read here in Revelation chapter 21 that John is describing is the coming marriage of heaven and earth where that will come back together, the physical realm and the spiritual realm. They will no longer be as they are now, two separate realities where we understand, we know, we believe there's a spiritual realm, but it is by and large invisible and silent to us, and we, we live in the Spirit by faith. But I believe what John is describing here in Revelation 21 is the coming marriage of heaven and earth when those realms will no longer be separate realities but will again be one combined unit. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. That's significant. The sea was no more. That's that separation. We can't take time to talk about that tonight. Um, Go back, if you want to, to the series on Revelation. You might refresh your memory on that. 
Verse 2, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former thing have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said behold I am making all things new also he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true and he said to me it is done I am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. People, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. We are looking forward to the marriage of heaven and earth. That time when we no longer live with separate realities of physical and spiritual and where in the realm of renewal we strive for renewal in our spirits. Yet the dimension of decay is something that we are continually battling against. There is a day when all of that will end. There will be no more division of the physical and the spiritual. Time will be no more. And this is especially relevant as we think about this phrase. Uh, God says, behold, I make all things new. What is it that makes something new or something old? It's time. That's right. Can you imagine what it would be like to live in a state of perpetual newness? I can't. Imagine it either. If you can imagine it, you tell me what you think it's going to be like. But I, can't, I cannot imagine what that will be, but I believe that it will one day be a reality because there will be no more time and everything, all things will be perpetually new and there will be no more decay, just perpetual newness. People, the best is yet to come. And we read these words. In Isaiah chapter 43, and I will close with this. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. In other words, let 2020 and 2021 be in the past. Put it behind you. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Friends, the best is yet to come.